Chapter 62 The Shape of Worlds It should have been the hour past midnight, the dark pit of the night, when no stars shine and the moon has fled to her rest, afraid of the dark. That is when things happen in this place, not by light, not by morning's bright fire. Things happen in the dark, in the pitch. Things happen in the depths of wood and moss and overhanging branch where the sun could not reach. Where the wild things grew and unforgiven poetry was born. Not in the morning, never with the first light of dawn, striking the sky and driving fear and nightmare from the minds of children, sending dementia to sulk and hide at the edge of eyelids, waiting for the dark to return. Again, the monsters would call, and the nightmare would scream. Children would scream. Parents would shudder. No, not this time. It was not the dark. It was not the night. It was morning, and Brat Greywald had been defeated. The Shane were marching on Dayside to lay claim to what belonged to them. I couldn't wait for nightfall. I had to ride the momentum, drive the Shane forever on and on. Freeman wanted nothing more than to occupy the town. That was all that was required. The Greywald were broken. Brat was dead. The Shane need but squat in the street, set up shop, as it were, lay claim to the town. The Greywald would know, looking from their windows, seeing the Shane. Dayside belonged to the anonymous free men. That is all that was necessary. The Shane would control the town. But the Greywald wouldn't rest. They wouldn't leave well enough alone. This would begin a guerrilla war lasting months or years. It mattered not. There would be random murders in the street. Cars and buildings would suddenly burst into flame. The other side always taking credit for these assassinations. There would be no end. Nothing gained. Only fear and death and hatred. I wanted to avoid that, to stop the killing at the root. I wanted to drive the fair folk from Dayside. They were the source of the conflict, always wanting more wild poetry, paying anything for the rare delicacy. It wasn't as if the fair folk needed it or even wanted it, for that matter. The fair folk wanted the wild poetry because it was there. As long as the desire was there, for as long as the fair folk had the need for errant verse to slip across the tongue, the Shane and the Greywald would wage war one upon the other until there was nothing left but smoke and ash. That's why I needed the Shane to drive them into Dayside, to smash them against the library of lost hopes and forgotten dreams, to smother the fair folk in their beds. That's what happened that morning. The inferno of the forest was a half-remembered nightmare behind us. Brat Greywald's bones smoldering and rotting in the damp moss and ash of the wood. The Shane could be led, their bloodlust undiminished, still smoldering from a night of chaos and wildfires. Dayside never knew what hit it. A wave of wild verse struck the town by the morning light, while the town rested, while people both guilty and innocent were still dreaming of coffee. The wild poetry turned buildings black with age and decay. Walls crumbled and roofs collapsed. People screamed, stumbling, fumbling with robes and dressing gowns. The shame followed, bringing torches and flamethrowers salvaged from the night, remembering what had been done to them. The shame burned wood and town and bone. I didn't care. I pushed on, leading my sonnets and shadows and free verse. The shame trailing behind us, the non-existent Jack tracing my shoulder, forever at my side, saying nothing but watching everything.
I cared nothing for the town. I didn't even notice what the shame did to Greywald women and children as I passed. I was hell-bent for the library. Nothing would stand in my way. The librarian was prepared. Standing before his home, surrounded by monsters and earthquakes and demons, he was ready for my best non-rational verse. Pick special just for him. The library had guardians, and the librarian used them well. Stone dogs and elephants and uncommon dinosaurs made of muscle and bone lacking only skin. We we crashed into the library, smashing ourselves against the rock and wood and stone. Elementals and trolls ripped at wild poetry and forgotten verse. Screams from the dying pages ripped like great trees toppling to the ground, hacking and slashing and biting, and the world smeared with black ink-like blood. My poem smashed against the library like the surf and a rock. The stone held and the ocean receded, striking and slashing and gouging as we fell. It wasn't enough. I wouldn't turn back. So close to the library, my poems roared like the tidal wave and crashed into the rock once more. Beanstalks trembled, drowning in the wake. Fireflies fluttered in the spray. It wasn't enough. It would never be enough. The library would hold. I didn't care. Sputtering, gasping, the librarian fell, slipping in seaweed and saltwater taffy. My poetry attacked, splitting the library, cracking the walls and bursting the door. I was in. Just like that, I had entered the library. My poems all around me. This place I had been denied so long was mine. Wandering from town to town and from library to library, turned away, always turned aside by this librarian or that. Never knew what I sought, never wondering why I was there, never an answer. The enemy of my enemy was not my friend. The librarians cared nothing for my trouble with Del Morgan. They wanted only to deny me what was mine. Lucifer's widow, Jack said, this way. I followed him. I didn't know why. Somewhere to go, something to do. And then I stopped, turning another way. Jack looked back to me as the wild verse paused, gathering all around us. I turned, seeking the depths of the library, looking for things once lost that could yet be found. If it was lost, if it was forgotten, it was here. Among records and dreams and long-lost nightmare, I sought memory and forgotten song. Verse, forgotten poetry was but a memory. What I was looking for couldn't be found, only looked for, but here it was. All it took was will and desire and an army of rage and chaos to command. One last door out of all the others in the depths of the library, feeling it pulse, feeling it burn, feeling fingers tight around my heart, a strange man never pointing his finger at me and taking away my name giving me the strange title of Matthew Drake, which wasn't a name. I only assumed it was because nobody in their right mind gives titles like Matthew Drake. Long ago, far away, a door had opened upon a little stretch of beach in the ocean. This door led to memory and a heart that hadn't been used in years. No. That was the librarian, looking not even vaguely human, like a walrus, like a carpenter, like a twelve-foot lion. Hell, I don't know. I don't care. Jack was there, watching me, knowing what I searched. Standing between the library and me, the librarian struck as I struck. As the librarian fell, shrinking in defeat and ruin, fading back into the stone and the books and the walls from which the fair folk had borne him. Then there was Jack, on the floor, clutching at his side, or what was left of it. Fingers slipping over the tattered edge of straw and mud. And I remembered something he had once said. About being made of something other than flesh. No, I'm remembering it wrong. He had said he didn't exist. That I'd taken 
the thing he had been and made something wholly new for no other reason than I was too stupid to know it wasn't the truth. I told you. Jack gurgled and spat, and blood seeped between splinters of straw. This was strange. The strangest moment of all, looking down at something that was clearly not alive, that was made of straw and baling wire and mud, that was somehow made of flesh and blood and bone. I had made of him something more and less than he had ever been. I had offered him freedom, and it had killed him. Children in the wood. I fell. I almost fell. Standing over the non-existent Jack, resting my knees against him, watching the blood seep over the floor. The dirty straw, the black mud, squishing between my fingers and toes, like a statue. If, if, coming apart between my fingers, slipping into his parts. His face dissolved like dirt washed off a stone. I really have no idea how long I stayed like that. I don't think it matters. I stood, world forgotten, knowing nothing of what happened in the streets at dayside around me. There was only the library, what was left of Jack's corpse. And the door. I pushed. Nothing. I pushed again. Nothing. Expecting the door to give. Expecting wisps of sand to seep around the edges. Expecting that taste of salt wind on my tongue. Nothing. I pushed again. The door gave. I stumbled forward, looking for heaven, for memory, for my name, for my heart. All I found was Beowulf Drake. There you are. He said. I rushed him, never reaching him. All the weight of the world fell upon my shoulders. My wild poetry stripped from me. I couldn't remember. All because that one who had taken me to market had found me. I've been looking for you everywhere. Never thought to find you here. I still. Unable to think, unable to stand, everything growing dim, growing dark, the librarian had been right. My forgotten life was only in the library until I looked for it there. With Beowulf Drake waiting, I found nothing. Not my name. Not my memory. Not my heart. My life. I had failed. Still asleep. Jack was gone. Not even a book that was never written by James Joyce for all my trouble. You have caused Del Morgan so much trouble. I suppose it's time to take you home. No. But he didn't listen to me.
This audio recording of The Fairbrook of Gideon and the Tale of the Donkey is copyright 2011 by Keith T. Jones. All rights reserved.